This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual this week, I'm joined by my two friends, Ali Johan and, of course, Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. Say hello, folks. Hello, and uh, a continued happy Deepavali, everybody who's celebrating. That's right. Yeah, good evening, Richard. Good evening, Daniel. Good evening, good evening, good evening. And as usual, a show in three parts. We've got some news and some car launches at the top. In the middle, a bit of a discussion about flash floods. It's not the topic we want to be talking about, but a reminder of stuff that you should be aware of. And then wrapping up at the end, of course, we have a review. It is the Cherry Tigo 7, which does sound like something you would find in a corner shop and buy whilst you're at school. But it's not, is it? <laughs> Anyway, Sounds like a dessert, huh? It does, yeah. So what have we got in terms of news and uh, launches this week then, Ali? So in recent weeks, we've been anticipating the arrival of Chinese car brands into the local market. And I think we're edging closer to it. This week, Great Wall Motors posted test drive invitations for one of its EV brands. The Aura Good Cat, classic looking car taking the shape of the discontinued Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, yes, it does. And Daniel just had a chance to drive it. Hey, yes, you? and uh, you know, I just have to say this. Um, wait for the review next week. But uh, just yeah. a teaser, just a teaser. <laughs> impressed with the build quality, impressed with the ride and handling, and I like the tech in the car because even though it's high tech, it's simple and easy to use. So for an old man like me, very good. <laughs> I, I, I I smell a butt. No, but no, but uh, you will read the full review next week, and we'll share it with our listeners for sure next week. But for this okay. week, we got other cars to talk about. Meanwhile, this Aura Good Cat—it's a good cat—has been in the market for some while, being teased. It's a four-door Beetle. I will keep using the word Beetle because it's got the Beetle shape, mm-hmm. but it's got four doors. It's got ample legroom at the back. Richard, you can sit at the back while I'm driving. You know? Oh, okay. Three at the back, quite comfortable. You got a decent sized boot. You know, you got all the tech you would want in an electric car, a modern electric car. You've got just enough power. It's not very powerful, but just enough power. And what I liked most about it is, as we drove it around Gamuda and Putrajaya and Cyberjaya, there are people looking at it, snapping pictures with their handphones, uh, thumbs up, waving. It's just like the iconic Beetle. You know, when people see the shape, there's just something that makes them want to wave and smile and, and, and say hello. So I think it's one of those cars which, you know, if you go into a grumpy neighborhood and everyone is not talking to each other, they actually should should buy a car like this. Then it'll be friendly and nice to each other. Now, my, my question is, does it have the fantastic speakers on it that makes it sound like a classic Beetle? Because that's, I mean, that's a big thing for me. Okay, because it's oh. an electric car, I know, it's that's silent. What I mean. it, it needed speakers, right? That's yes, what, yes. Yeah. You know, a sound generator, basically. Yeah, you know? yeah. So what I'll do is, what I'll do is, because it, this car comes from Great Wall Motors from China. They are uh-huh. so fast to adapt to new requests of technology. So I hope they're listening to the show. I will remind them again Let's with the podcast. Yes. You tell them, get in a sound generator that makes it sound like a classic 1600 Beetle. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yes. What they used okay. to call the Super Beetle. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. So for the size of the car, it's about slightly wider and taller compared to the Nissan Leaf EV. Yeah. So um, it's going to be launching 
in Malaysia in the coming weeks, hopefully. And we're going to look forward to Daniel's review of The Drive. I'm, I'm in very much looking forward to hearing how much this thing is. But I can wait. Please be patient. Next week, yes, air will be revealed. Yes, all sir. will be revealed. <laughs> and all of those things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, um, from uh, that to Proton. What have we got with Proton this week? Yeah, so Proton today announced all of their certified pre-owned vehicles will now come with a one-year extended warranty or a 25,000 kilometers warranty, whichever comes first. And this warranty will be underwritten by Allianz General Insurance. And uh, this is to provide an additional peace of mind to buyers of used Proton vehicles. You know, the warranty will cover parts of the engine and the transmission that are found to be defective under normal use. It's a warranty that kicks off immediately after you buy a used Proton. Um, this is a good move by Proton, Daniel? I think this is an excellent move because, you know, in the past year or so, Proton has had some negative uh, rumblings about, you know, after sales and reliability. And when you sell any product in huge numbers, you cannot get it perfect. You know, that's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. You will have a little bit of problems here and there. With Proton, they had slightly more problems than, you know, that they, they bargained for. But, they, you know, they addressed everything. They, they worked out their problems and all that. So now to give additional credibility to their used vehicles, certified pre-owned that is, they're saying, okay, we're going to give you an insurance. And, you know, they're working with the biggest insurance company in Malaysia, Allianz mm-hmm. General Insurance. And they're saying one-year extended warranty or... 25,000 kilometers run. So that's pretty generous because the average Malaysian does 10 to 15,000 kilometers in a year. They're giving 25,000. So I think, I could be wrong here, I think they're also targeting those who are doing ride sharing, you know, delivery, you know, mm-hmm. because they, they will be the ones using this kind of kilometers. That's true. Yeah, and the program undergoes a thorough 201-point inspection and they guarantee um, their cars to be, uh, you know, free from uh, any flood or accident damage and that's part of the warranty program. Um, well, this is the, the protection that you need for an authorised second-hand Proton car. Uh, going to another piece of news locally, Bentley Kuala Lumpur uh, are celebrating their 25th year of being in Malaysia and they just announced the arrival of the Bentley Flying Spur hybrid car in Malaysia. So this is the first hybrid for Bentley, you know, guys. Meaning that, you know, finally, in 15 years from now, I know the car is launched now, but I'm saying 15 years from now, I will be able to <laughs> afford this car. <laughs> you know why? Because Bentleys before you had, you know, 5-litre engines, 6-litre engines, so the road tax was like 10, 11, 12,000. Mm. Now with this car, with a hybrid engine, it's a 2.9-litre. So 15 years from now, when it comes becomes a second-hand car, I can afford lah, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, How much is it selling for right now? Cheap. Very cheap. cheap. I tell Very you, it's, it's so reasonable. Uh-huh. Someone like Ali can easily afford it. See, I'm not going to say you, Richard, because I know your salary from last week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, price starts from 945,000 ringgit before local taxes are added. So, you're looking oh. at a price that will will hover around 2 million. Goodness me. 2 million plus. So, you know, someone like Ali can just... Sign on the dotted line. Definitely. And, you know, looking at pictures, the the size of it is pretty standard with a Bentley. With a Flying Spur being a hybrid, uh, it sits on 18 kilowatt hours of battery, which is a big one, and also an astonishing 800 kilometers range when fully charged. We're getting more and more powerful range with these brands these days, Daniel. Yes, and you know, this is 
using a 2.9 liter twin turbocharged petrol engine with an advanced lettering motor which gives you about 544 PS, pretty decent power, 750 Newton meters of torque. That's a lot of power delivery in the mid-range. Now, from 0 to 100, that's the acceleration time is 4.3 seconds. The thing is, when people buy Bentleys, they're not really accelerating. They're not really, you know, trying to, to beat any land speed record. They want to cruise gently and be noticed. Mm. They want people to look and say, hey, who's in that, in that expensive car? Oh, it's that fleur, the guy running that shop. Oh, that guy running the business. Oh, that guy I saw in the news. Oh, that politician. Anyway, so it's <laughs> got pretty good power, very impressive figures and everything else. But 945000 before local taxes. Do you think Malaysians can afford, gentlemen? No. I hope no, not. Huh? No. Okay. Anyway, the first batch all sold out even before they launched. My God. Wow. Even kidding? before they launched, their, their cars are sold out until next year. Now, I'm not talking about a few thousand cars. I'm talking about a few dozen cars, right? right. So that says a lot, right? Yeah, wow. about, say about 10 cars of uh, Flying mm. Spur Hybrid in Malaysia by next year then. Yes. So in 15 years, I'll be looking for a used one. <laughs> right. Oh, okay, so from one expensive car to, uh, I'm guessing, another. Yes. yes. Another British brand with the first foray into electric vehicle, and this time it's Rolls-Royce. Uh, they just announced the Rolls-Royce Spectre, which is uh, their first electric car, as I mentioned. Also their first step towards a completely electric portfolio by 2030. So that's soon. <gasps> Very soon. Wow. So why is that? Because Rolls-Royce, think about it, it's owned by BMW Group. So if you're owned mm. by BMW Group and BMW is going all electric very soon, they have to follow. So basically what you're going to get is the drivetrain, the battery system, the, the software system, all that. Everything is going to come from BMW. Because Rolls-Royce themselves, I mean, what was Rolls-Royce known for, Richard? Engine technology, right? Yes, yes. Build quality. Ultra silent cabin. Now with yeah, the electric yeah. powertrain, they will still be ultra silent. But huh. the powertrain comes from BMW. That's all. Wow. Interesting stuff. Mm. Folks, believe it or not, that's all for part one. I think that's the shortest part one we've had in quite some time. Yes. Uh, okay, let's move along then. We're going to take a short break. Uh, and of course, we've got some time for some messages and some music. But when we come back, we're talking about flash floods and how they are upon us and what you can do to protect your car. That's all coming up in just a few moments here on BFM on Cruise Control. BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm joined by Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ali Johan. We've been discussing the good cat, warranties for Proton, Bentleys and Rolls Royces, all in one little group. Now, of course, we need to talk about something a little bit more serious. Flash floods. They're here again. And what can you do to protect your car? Daniel. Okay, I looked at this article some weeks ago because some people live in flood-prone area and they can't get away with it. They can't, they can't sell their house because they still have a loan running. You know, moving out is not a possibility because they have financial issues, you know. We understand all this because people who live in these kind of areas are not exactly rich. Okay, we mm. understand that. Huh? 
you know that your house is going to be flooded, you're going to lose some of your belongings. Uh, how do you control it? You can't. It's act of nature. The government can only do so much to help you. You must think about doing something for yourself also. I say this. I know a lot of people are going to be a little bit upset with me, but hear me out. Hear me out. The most important thing, after your home comes your car. Now, a lot of these people have bought new cars. Like we've seen last year, people with cars, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old cars getting completely flooded. Um, you know, they don't have insurance we remind them to get insurance now they they still don't have insurance so i know someone who went through this problem last year uh money out of their pocket to get the car fixed it was mm. a lot of money five figure they got it fixed it wasn't 100 percent. you know you still have that musty smell you still have that, that feeling of you know like this dirt in my car but you know you, the car can be driven and they drove it to work every day and they keep using the car no issue now comes another round of rain right Couple of weeks ago, again, cargo flooded. Uh-oh. Okay, now not as serious as last year, but you know the rain wasn't as serious as last year yet. The rain is getting more serious right now. So they reached out and said, you know, can you can you help me with parts and you know can you talk to the manufacturer? Blah blah blah. I said, listen, you got to figure this out. If it's going to rain heavily, you know your area is going to be flooded. You know when the flood season is. Can you park your car elsewhere? Can you move your car elsewhere? Can you take public transport? If you know your car is going to be flooded, why do you still keep it there? Can you maybe, you know, park it in a friend's house or a relative's house? I understand the fact that some of these people where they live also has very bad public transport. Getting to work is really a pain, you know. But listen, would you rather lose 15, 16, 20, 25,000 ringgit to flood repair, move your car somewhere during the flooding season, take public transport, work it out, maybe work out with a neighbor or something, you know, maybe get into town or get to the nearest LRT station and then work your way there. Yes, you're going to come home a bit later. You're going to be more tired. But it's much better than putting your car through the flood again and, and spending that kind of money, right? Now, even if you, if you say like two weeks, your car is parked somewhere else in a better area, you know, park it outside and, and keep it secure. That two weeks, you don't even spend a thousand ringgit on public transport. That's the worst case scenario. Rather than you going through this hassle because it's not just the money to repair your car. Your car will never be the same again. That's number one. Number two, the time and effort to run around and get it done and send it here and send it there. And then while your car is flooded, you still have to take public transport, right? Your car won't be fixed in a day. It'll take weeks to fix your car. So just think about it in another option. So something should be done. People should be, you know, maybe they're not thinking about this. Mm. I'm not saying people are uh, not aware, but you know, I'm reminding you, flood is coming, water is coming, it's going to flood in your area whether you like it or not because you live in that flood-prone area. Work out something for your car right now. You can't work out something for your belongings, work out something for your car and your Mm. motorcycle as well. Next Mm. thing is employers, bosses, company owners. If you have staff where in previous years, They've been, you know, taken in by floods. You've had, you know, office collection to help them out and all that. You know who these people are. You know that little group. Like, in my office, I know who is living in a place where there's there's always going to be floods. You know he's going to have that problem. So, before it happens, let's work out something. I think your area is going to flood this this coming uh, November. Why don't you take two weeks? Instead of you coming to work, you work from home. You get what I mean or not? So, at least, uh, when they're from home, they're prepared for the flood. You understand what I mean not? Yeah, yeah. Maybe their productivity not so good, but they will be so happy because why? As the waters come in, they are not in the office. They are at home. They are preparing. Maybe they can move all their stuff upstairs. If they have double story houses, if they have single story houses, maybe take it, move it up a cupboard. So I, I don't know. I don't know how these people work it out because I couldn't live like that. But at least put some precautions in. So I'm saying, bosses, look out for your staff. Think about them. 
give them the option of you know doing something before it happens if they can't work from home okay then then why don't you advise them hey park your car in the office but now if you happen to work in an area where your car has been flooded before say like certain offices where they were flooded right shalam tell your workers during flood don't come to work because if you come to work and then your cars get flooded what's the point and your staff is just going they're going to be annoyed at the managers because they didn't you know allow them to work from home they have to drive through the flood water all kinds of problems are going to come exactly. from exactly so let's have this kind of precautions don't wait for the town council to come and save you don't wait for the government to save you they've got enough problems you know mm. Mm. Uh, let's put aside all all the you know the finger pointing. This is going to be a vicious cycle as right. we have monsoons every end of the year. What's our knowledge rate on car insurance? You see, there is all the insurance companies provide this, but a lot of people don't want to buy it, and then when it's too late, they want to go and buy it. That's number one. Number two, a lot of insurance companies, I feel, if they know that you live in a flood-prone area, they'll try and make it difficult to sell you the insurance. Because they know hey, this is going to be a regular issue, you know. And the next thing is, like I, I noticed, um, Ali has shared the picture. I hope you, you guys look at it. There's a car which has got not only flood, but it's got a lot of damage on the top of the car. Yeah. So what happens is sometimes a car may be stuck in an area, like you know, on the way home in slight flood. But what happens is other vehicles get washed or debris or you know garbage cans or, or large objects, and they hit into these cars. And the cars get just wiped out. You know, your windscreen goes, your roof goes, mm-hmm. your doors mm-hmm. go, your your lamps and everything else. Now, this kind of damage is very difficult to go and claim from the insurance companies because the insurance companies say, "Hey, the car wasn't flooded, but you got like this kind of damage, like as if you rolled." Mm-hmm. So you know, you have to explain, make a police report. It's messy, and you know, can you imagine? Uh, one monsoon comes. You're not talking about ten, twenty people going and making claims. You know, you're talking about hundreds. You know. On top of yeah. that, you got you know motorcyclists, you got lorry drivers, you got bus drivers, you got government vehicles. It's a lot of problems. So I'm saying, where possible, try and get away from this. You know, move your car because your car is movable. Your house is not movable. You know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. That's why yeah. I wrote this article. And some of the comments I got back from 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 social media was like, oh, you know, it's not so easy or easy for you to say all kinds of remarks. Listen. I'm not in your shoes. I'm just giving you some advice. If every year you're going to go through this, then there's no point having a car. No mm. point having a motorcycle, you know? Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a few moments, of course, with a car review of the Cherry Tigo 7. As I mentioned before, it is not a dessert. It's actually a vehicle. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to the third and final part of Cruise Control. If you missed any part of the show, we started off with some news and some local launches. We had the Good Cat, a new warranty from Proton, some news about Bentley and Rolls-Royce. It's all very electric news. And then, of course, that little discussion there about flash floods and what you can do about it and how you can maybe uh, convince your boss to help you out a little bit with it. You know, maybe just talk to them about it. That's that, but we've come to the third part of the show, and of course, it is the car review. Daniel, what is this thing? This thing, you call it a thing, mm. this is the latest product from the land of China. Okay. okay. Now, you know, 
Chinese cars have been coming in. They've been making waves around the region uh, in the last couple of years. Now they're slowly making their waves here. We know of the Made in China brand Geely, which has done really well in Malaysia, especially. Um, sales have been, been, been in a rocking with the X70 and X50. Yes, it's Proton, but you know, it's a fact. It's all coming from Geely in China. And Geely is one of the biggest car companies there. Now, there are other big car companies. Uh, we already mentioned um, Great Wall Motors earlier today. Uh, mm-hmm. We also went for the test drive, which we'll share with you next week. But this week, Yesterday, we test drove a vehicle. Actually, we test drove three vehicles, but I want to emphasize on this vehicle. It's a company called Cherry. Now, C-H-E-R-Y, Cherry. It's not a fruit. It's not a dessert. It's not a joke. It's called Cherry. (laughs) This brand, if you're old enough, if you've been in Malaysia long enough in the motoring line, you'll realize that Cherry has been in Malaysia before. And I'm talking about 20 over years ago and then about 15, 16 years ago, they sort of retired from Malaysia. Now, those were the days when made-in-China vehicles were 100% copied from some you know, Japanese, Korean or, or, or European manufacturer. Build quality was very, very, very questionable. Reliability, questionable. Uh, you know, basically the cars were just quite, quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm trying to find a nice word. So right, we, right, we, okay. We, Sometimes it's just better to be honest, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember like, you know, 17, 18 years ago when I just started in, in the first few years, we had a vehicle, a sedan called a Cherry Alado, you know, and that was that was a funny little car. And then we had the Cherry E-Star, which was a small MPV, looked exactly like a Proton Exora. It came out before the Proton Exora, okay? Seven-seater, you know, reasonably well-built. Mm. Uh but it just didn't last. You, you'll still see some on the roads today, you know, with patches on it. Um, I think that was the last product they introduced. That was when they were trying to improve, but they didn't improve well enough to stay, to stay relevant. So, of course, Cherry left Malaysia, gone, forgotten. No one talks about them, all quiet. Now, meanwhile, in China, they were improving and improving and improving and improving and and getting their R&D sorted out and everything else. And a few years ago, Cherry in China became the biggest exporter of cars in China. Okay. That means they were the number one car brand in China for exports. Now, biggest market for them, Middle East, South America, some parts of Asia. But I'm talking about countries with left-hand drive. Okay. Because, because China is left-hand drive. They said... Never mind, we will not concentrate on the right-hand drive market. And we won't concentrate on Europe because Europeans are too critical. They've got so many brands and models there. We'll go to countries where they don't make their own cars. And Mm. they did very well. It was not a case of dumping because at this point already, they were improving by leaps and bounds. And I say this because I used to go for motor shows in China, in Shanghai, in Beijing. And this is all before COVID. And when we go every year for at least one show, we go to the cherry hall it's not a booth it's a hall and you see the range of vehicles and the improvements the year by year improvements i mean the rest of the world could not do this only these guys from china you know mm. they were making a concentrated effort to just get better and better and better came to a point where they had their own r&d they're no longer relying on you know third party technology or third party design or whatever they were doing their own work so now comes cherry 
making big inroads in Southeast Asia with factories. Now, they've got a factory in the region already making right-hand drive vehicles. So, they are already going to now flood the market. They've done very well in Thailand. They've done very well in Indonesia in the last couple of years, despite COVID. So, now mm-hmm. they're going to come to Malaysia. Now, they showed us four vehicles, four variants, all SUVs of different sizes. But I want to emphasize on this one. It's called the Sherry Tigo 7. Now, they have a few variants in terms of engine size and all that. But this particular one um, caught my attention simply because A, this vehicle will compete directly with the Proton X70, including the new facelift. It'll compete with the Honda C, sorry, the Honda CRV, okay, which is going to where, where there's a new model coming out. It'll compete with the very popular Mazda CX-5, and it'll compete oh. with the soon-to-arrive Kia Sportage and Hyundai Tucson, the new models, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a petrol version, they have a, a plug-in hybrid version, and they also have a um, uh, a full uh, EV. But the EV is coming later. So we took the 1.6 turbo petrol version up, okay? Now, if you look at the car, the design is relatively interesting. Um, You can immediately tell that, you know, they've got design language that could adapt in Europe. Um, You could mistake it for Japanese. You could even mistake it for something probably European, right? You know what I mean? It looks very generic, okay? But what got me going was the finer points. You know, you know when, you, when you look at a new vehicle like this, you run your fingers along the panels, uh, the, the side view mirrors, the lights, the grill, build quality. You're looking for build quality at the, at the tip of your fingers and they've got it down perfectly here. Build quality is good. Paint finish is very nice. Touch and feel points inside the car. You've got soft touch uh, panels. You've got nice tactile feel uh, buttons. The steering feels good. Uh, seats comfortable, uh, the leather they use, um, the combination of leather and PVC, very nicely done. Uh, even right down to the backrest, the back seats, the headrest, everything you know, stitching. They've really taken the trouble to be very um, um, careful with detailing, you know? Mm-hmm. So from the showroom level already, you can you can tell that you know people are going to be impressed. So how does it drive? Now, as any new car... Technology has gone so far forward in terms of engine technology, in terms of combustion engine. Um, it's nice. It's smooth. It starts, it's quiet. It accelerates smoothly. Suspension soaks up the bumps nicely. It's got nice large wheels. Uh, they're using quality tires on it. Now, of course, all this is uh, subject to confirmation when they finally launch the car. And the preview was in Satyala. It wasn't a launch. It was a preview. And I'll explain mm. to you why they had a preview. So we drove around open roads, uh, speed bumps, took some corners a bit bit faster than usual. Mm. Everything was quite impressive. There was very little for us to comment negatively on, you know, even though we had a, only a few minutes with the car. Um, simple things like, you know, Sony speakers in the car, you know, pretty decent sound system, you know. Mm. Um, I like the fact that the, the headrest was soft. You know, a lot of new cars, they have hard headrests. So when you, when you sit in the car, you, you know, when you, when you put your head against it, I'm an old man last so my whole head is a bit hard. So I like something <laughs> soft. So it's got a nice soft headrest. Um, the side bolsters on the seat were soft also, not hard. That means the fitting on the leather is, is, is it's a bit more, there's a little bit more room for play. You're not too tight, you know? Mm. Um, getting in and out of the car, the ride height, everything. They got it right. They did their research, they got it right. Now, 
this is the best part. Cherry showed us their range, explained to us what they're doing, explained to us their model mix in terms of engine. They got they got EV, they got plug-in hybrid, they got pure combustion engine. Uh, they got three three um, four shapes, sorry, four types of uh, uh, vehicles on offer of different sizes. But this Tigo Seven is the one which I'm I'm emphasizing on simply because it's a direct competitor to the most popular segment, you know, which is which I explained earlier. So why? Are they not sharing the price with us? Here's ah, the good deal. Question. No price. Nothing. Not even a. Not even an indication. A. They have not set up office in Malaysia yet. Mm. Okay. They've got people working here, but they've not set up an office here. They don't have a factory or assembly ready to go yet. They're in negotiations. They are about to launch, so they cannot reveal the names of their partners and the location and everything else. Price only after they get all their incentives and sorted out with their CKD and all can they share the incentives. But why did they do this yesterday? Mm. Do you know why? No, I was going to ask you that. <sighs> Because their direct competitor, Great Wall Motors, <laughs> was launching today. Oh, of course, Great Wall Motors is launching a car, but Great Wall Motors has a whole range of SUVs. Coming in because Great Wall Motors already has a partnership, already has factory, already has incentives, already has everything going. Dealers, everything else, they are just ready to boom in the next few weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what I think Cherry is doing. They're trying to eh, wait lah, don't spend your money lah. Hold on, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> smart, 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 aggressive. And you see, because you know, the market is big, but it's not that big in Malaysia. And the number of people is shrinking fast because why? The Japanese have a head start with you know Toyota and Honda and all. They have a head start with this range, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so if we were get, you know to put you on the fence and say, Daniel, if you were to guess roughly how much it would be, what's the ballpark figure? Do you think? Okay, the one we drove, the one point six turbo, they cannot go more than one hundred forty thousand. I could be wrong, but you see, the moment you go more than one hundred forty thousand in terms of spec, features, safety, and everything else. The Japanese can do 150. The Koreans will do about 140, and and they can probably do you know almost the same. You know, like Toyota has got Safety Sense, uh, Honda has got their full range of uh, safety features which are fantastic. Um, how do you compete? How do you compete with them? They are established. They got network. They've got brand presence. They got resale value and everything else. So if you come in at around the same price, hard hitting lah. You know, right. Now, if you think about it, why did Proton do so well with the X70? Because they came in much lower than the Japanese and Koreans, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With almost similar features. Plus, they had the talkie-talkie device. Then, when they launched the X50, again they came in lower than the equivalent Japanese and Koreans. And boom, they had fantastic sales because they had a lower price. That's it. Yeah. So you have to come in first with a lower price. Maybe you you, you slice your margin. Get market share, put the cars on the road. People see them and say, "Hey, nice lah, this car. Hey, China, so nice ah. Hey, I want lah. You know, <laughs> got it. Ah, so that's the uh, Cherry Tigo Seven Pro. I liked it. The next question is, if I was going to buy a car in this segment, would I buy this, or would I buy Japanese or Korean? Go on, put yourself on the spot. Go on. I'll still go for Japanese. <laughs> of course, <laughs> because simply because of this. I am not completely taken by their after sales yet because I don't know who their partners are. Mm. You see, the problem is today there is no bad car out there. 
I'll tell you this. True. Yeah. It's very hard to find a eh, not so good car. It's all about shape and design and and you know what tickles you, right? Mm. Because in terms of technology, drivetrain, uh, whether it's electric or not, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's on the, you know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, globally they're all sharing their their specs. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, so it's no, no longer like 1982. Exactly, it's like going to buy a, a brand new color TV, right? Yeah, you got so many brands in the electrical shop, and you go in there, and how do you decide? It's all black. It's all you know, rectangular shape. Yeah, but the yeah. prices vary, and then you look at the brand names. Oh, this brand. Oh, I know this brand. And then always, uh, the new brand will be cheaper, right? That's right. Yeah. Now, I I made a decision long time ago. I'll only stick to one brand in terms of most of my household goods, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's AC, fridge, TV, and everything else. Now that brand started disappointing me over the last few years. Earlier, no disappointment in terms of after sales. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Now, why other brands came up and said we'll do better, we'll do better, we'll do better in terms of warranty. Mm. So I started switching. And now I tell you, my latest TV in the house. After five years, I bought a brand new flat screen TV. It's a China brand, made in China, because uh-huh. the warranty is spot on, the build quality, the way it looks is slightly curved. I say, wow, this one style. Plus, the <laughs> price is lower. Hmm. <laughs> oh, there you go. So oh, you go. I will start by saying, if it's very soon, I'll probably go to a Japanese brand. But I think in another two, three years, maybe. I will switch my preference, just like I did with my color TV. Well, thank you very much for that, Daniel. You're most welcome. There you go, then, folks. That was Daniel's review of the Sherry Tigo Seven. Um, if you missed any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app, which is available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. We started off with some news about a good cat, some new warranties, some Bentleys, and some Rolls Royces. We then had a chat about flash floods and what you can do to protect your car, and then, of course, wrapping up with that review of the Sherry Tigo Seven. We'll be back same time, same place next week for more cruise control here on BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.